Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me in God's Word to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. This morning I preached on the power of the Bible. It sanctifies, it guides, it provides all the blessing that we have in the truth of God's Word. God is saying to His people here in Isaiah 55, the power of His Word to change their lives is what they need to understand. They can go from darkness to light. They can go from uh, fear and despair to confidence, to courage, to faith. They can go from just confusion and doubt to direction and clarity. That's the power of God's Word. And we come to Isaiah 55 and verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Underline that, I sent it. God sends His Word forth. I heard the testimony of a man who's pastoring now, of his dad who was a pastor for years. But someone at work was witnessing to him. Someone was giving him the gospel, a gospel tract, talking to him time and again. He didn't want it. He rejected it. And then the time came when God not only touched his heart and tendered it and opened his heart, but God also opened the heart of his wife and then as a result, they both got saved and it changed the direction of that whole family. That's the power of God's Word. It doesn't return void. God wants us to be reminded tonight that when we give God's Word, we don't give it in vain. We don't always see what God is doing. We're God's spiritual farmers. We're sowing the seed of God's Word. And God says, sow in faith. Plow and hope, because His Word is alive, is life-giving, it quickens, it makes alive, and we need to know with a renewed assurance tonight that when we give forth God's Word, it will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And so, as you think about that, turn with me over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23. The servants of the Lord, the leaders from the king to all those who served in his court, the priest, those who were serving the people in uh, matters spiritual, they all were off base. They all had just departed from God. And there was uh, confusion, there was apathy, there was so much need for God's Word in their day, and they didn't even recognize it. And so the prophets, they would prophesy, and they would say, this is a dream from the Lord, a message from God, and yet in time those who followed the dreams of those false prophets realized that they were not a dream from God, they were nightmares instead. We need to be careful tonight. If you reject the truth of God's Word... You reject the light that God gives you. The Bible says, walk by the fires kindled by the light of your own understanding. Isaiah 50, 11. 
ye shall lie down in sorrow. This is the way I see it. This is what I think. I'm not going to listen to what God says. I'm not going to listen to someone pointing me to the Lord. I'm going to listen to what I say, what I think, what I feel, what I want. That's where these people were. But oftentimes what seems so clear in the moment in time became its own nightmare. Oh my, may God speak to us. No wonder he says, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We come to verse 29. God was saying what they were missing here from his word through his true servants is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The fire of God's word is needed in our lives because our God is a consuming fire. We all have the dross of pride and self-will within our hearts. And the fire of God's word consumes that, tries us, proves us, puts us through testing times so that that dross of pride and self-will might come through the surface of our lives and we can see it for what it really is. We're oftentimes measuring ourselves against ourselves and God says we're not wise when we do that. Lord, how am I in light of your word? What does your word say? Your word is my plumb line. Am I in line with what you're, you're saying, Lord, and what you want with my life? Oh, how we need the fire of God to warm our hearts, the fire of God to melt our cold hearts, the fire of God to burn fervently anew that I want to do something for God. I want my life to count for God. I want to honor the Lord all the way through. At that memorial service yesterday, I heard my father-in-law say, here he is at his age still saying, give your life to God. Young people, give your life to God. Your whole life, your whole heart, give it to God. You won't regret it. That's a powerful statement coming from someone who served the Lord these years at the latter stages of life and ministry. Give your life to God. Oh, have a heart for God. You won't regret doing God's will for your life. Oh, how we need the fire of God's word to burn up our ambition, to consume that and reveal to us our mission in life, why we're here, what God has for us and our future. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? When you think of a hammer here, you think of might and strength. You think of the authority of God's word to address the challenges of our lives, but you also think of pounding and how God oftentimes speaks to us, not once, not twice, but time and again and again, God is trying to mold us. He's trying to chip away even everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Someone had made a great statue, uh, like a, a carved statue of a horse. <laughs> and someone asked him, he said, how in the world do you do that? He said, I just take this stone here and I chip away everything that doesn't look like a horse. You know, that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to chip away everything, sometimes pound even, everything that doesn't look like his son.
the Lord Jesus. That's what God is trying to do to conform us into his likeness. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Sometimes God has to break us because we have our own desire, our own direction, and he has to break that to pieces so that he can gather those pieces and we can learn and he can put the puzzle of our life back together the way it should be. The Bible talks about the power of God's word, the rock Jesus even, that if that rock of Jesus will fall upon us, that judgment of God, it'll grind us to powder. But if we will fall upon that rock, think about that. It will bring a humbling and emptying, putting us in a place to where we can be filled with his fullness and blessing. Well, I think about what God is saying here. Turn with me over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 13, but also in Luke chapter 8, we come along this passage to where we learn that the Word of God is not only like a fire, like a hammer, but it is the seed of God's Word that is being sown, that God has promised us that will take root at some level and bear fruit. Luke chapter 8 the parable of the sower in verse 4 and following, you come to verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. There it is. The seed is the word of God. God is trying to say, now the seed is being sown. It doesn't always fall on good ground. There is the importance of preparing our hearts, cultivating our hearts that the seed sown may take root and bear fruit in our lives. But notice this in verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You know, I'm giving the word of God tonight, and that's the seed being sown. But we have an adversary who would like to take away that seed, even distract us. That's why it's so important that we show respect to the Lord in his house. Even during the invitation, that's not a time to get ready to leave. That's a time to pray because that seed that is being sown in that heart, now it needs to take root. And if we're not careful, the adversary can come and distract us or get us concerned about something unimportant. And then that seed is just stolen from our hearts. God wants us to see the power of his word is the seed of God's word that is being sown. But it's so important what kind of soil that it's being sown in. Turn with me over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to think about what God is saying here. His people, they were challenged. They were called unto himself. And yet time and again they missed the opportunity to humble themselves. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Think about it, the soil of their heart, the soil of their mind, 
The seed was sown, but it didn't take root because their heart was not cultivated. It's just like this. You can go out here and throw a bunch of seed on hard dirt. There may be some take root here or there, but not likely and not much, if any. That's why it's important for us to pray. It's why it's important for us when we open in prayer to pray. These are not just like uh, things that we go through. We're just kind of having these uh, different uh, parts of the service just because that's the way we do church. We don't sing these songs just because we want to hear some good Christian songs. No, the songs are to cultivate our hearts, to prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God. Prayer is to tender our hearts, to get our attention, our affection set on things above, on the Lord, and saying, God, speak to me. I'm going to listen to what you say, and I want to receive it into my heart. I don't want to be cold and indifferent and hard-hearted and distracted and interested in everything but what I'm hearing from your word, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That's where God wants us to be. He said they heard the truth, but it didn't help them. It's not because God didn't give it to them, and it's not because the truth didn't have the power to help them. It's because the soil of their heart was not open, tendered, prepared to receive it. I'm telling you, the seed of God's Word, we reap what we sow, we reap later than we sow, and we reap more than we sow. Can you imagine the fruit that God can bear through our lives if we'll just hear the Word of God and say, Lord, use that in my life. Use that, Lord. Your Word is, is like a fire. It's like a hammer. It's, it's like a seed, the Bible says. But notice here in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. It's living. This is a living book. It's not a dead book. It's not just an ancient book. It's not a book of fables and stories. It's not a book comprised by people who made things up through the ages to give people some kind of crutch to lean on in life. No, this is the word of the living God. It's a living book. It's a life-giving book. The word of God is quick and quickening. It is powerful. It has authority. It has ability to hammer upon that pride and that self-will, to tender that heart, to melt that coldness and indifference in our hearts, to break it open, as it were, so that the right seed can be sown. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Get that and underline that. The Word of God is a sword. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, we're to take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's a part of our armor. The whole armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, is the only offensive weapon that God lists there. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The reason some of us are not more victorious, because we're not pushing back, we're not fighting back. We don't have the sword in one hand and the trowel in the other. We work a little while and then when we get someone to criticize us or not acknowledge us or applaud us, then we give up so quickly and so easily we lose heart because we've made it about ourselves and not about God and His glory and the advancement of His work for the good of others. We have to be mindful of that. He says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible says the word of God goes to the very depth of our being. 
our thoughts, our sentiments, everything about us, God's Word touches us at that depth, the deepest level of our thoughts, our feelings, our desires. No wonder we need to be in God's Word every day, right? Because God's Word is sufficient. No one else can understand you like God already understands you. I preached this morning from Psalm 119 about how the Word of God is our counselor. You know what I've learned by reading through the Bible now many times through the years all the way through? There's not a sentiment of my heart that is not found and expressed somewhere in the pages of the Bible. Some 6,000 people walk across the pages of Holy Scripture. There are those that we know by name. There are those that we don't know. But God talks about their story, their journey. I'm not talking about just groups, but individuals. That God is working in their lives. And God wants us to understand that what they have faced already and how God has helped them that's the way God wants to help us because there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's nothing that's, uh, that we're facing tonight that someone else hasn't faced already because the same afflictions that you're facing tonight that I'm facing are accomplished in your brethren which are in the world, 1 Peter 5 says. What that word accomplished means is this is that they've gone to the very brink, the very river of trouble and trial and they trusted God, and God somehow took them safely through and brought them out safely on the other side. It's accomplished in your brethren. God took care of them. God preserved them. God taught them. When troubles and trials come, rather than saying, Why me, Lord? Why? Pray this. What, Lord? What? Are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn, Lord? There's never a time when God is not teaching us and preparing us. Job asked the question, who teacheth like him? God knows what we need. You say, I feel like nobody knows the depth of my heart, what I'm thinking and feeling right now. I promise you, you'll find that reflected to you somewhere in the Bible. Get in it, read it. You'll say, whoa, that's exactly how I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking right now. You mean it, God has already said that here? Yes, he has. You're not unique in that sense. That no one's ever struggled with what you're struggling with or thinking like you're thinking or going through what you're going through. That's not to minimize it. If anything, that's to give you reassurance and saying, hey, the depth of that is something that God has already addressed in someone else's life and it's written on the pages of Holy Scripture. All these things are given for our learning, right? All these examples that we read of of God's working in other people's lives even in the Old Testament they're given for our comfort, our hope, our reassurance. That's the power of God's Word. Oh, how many times have I read it and I thought, wow! That's what David felt. I'm feeling the same way. That's exactly the sentiment of my heart. Job, Joseph, Jeremiah, so many other times 
I remember reading about Christ there in the garden. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I meditated on that because that's where I was. Lord, I'm really hurting right now. I'm in the crucible of pain and agony. I'm suffering. I mean, it's excruciating. Lord, I mean, am, is it possible that I'm in your will? Did I miss it somewhere? Or what's going on? Lord, if there's any other way for you to accomplish your work in my life, not just for me, but through me for others, would you do it? That's what Jesus prayed. If it be possible, if there's some other way. Let this cup pass for me. And it's as though the Father would say to Jesus, there is no other way. There is no sinless sacrifice to be found otherwise. You are the Lamb of God without spot and blemish. You must be an offering for sin so that others can be saved. And he said, thy will be done. And there are times when God speaks to us and we're like, Lord, I mean, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't want to hurt like this. I didn't know this level of pain existed even. Where are you? What's going on? Where did I miss it? Where did I get off base? And you come to a place and you say, well, the Bible says, who teacheth like him? That means he teaches his servant in the way he shall choose, the Bible says in Psalm 34. And so what are we going to do? We're going to submit and say, Lord, teach me. Show me thy way. Help me to trust you even that in the depth of my pain and the anguish of my soul, you are still God and you are at work and you know what it takes to not only teach me, but to prepare me for what you have for my life, but through me, how I can help others. What a great truth. I want to tell you, that was something that God taught me in that time as I meditated upon his word. I'm glad Jesus understands. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Christ has a heart for us. He was touched for us. And when he touches us, it's for the purpose of not only teaching us, but through us so he can touch and teach others. May God help us to trust him by faith. But notice, lastly, right over here in the book of James, right after the book of Hebrews, you remember what the Bible says about itself? It's not only a fire, a hammer, a seed, a sword, but it's also a mirror. We read in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So many times that's where we're at. Another church service, another song, another sermon, and then we're off to our lives, to our week, to our jobs, and we remain unchanged. Deceiving our own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed at his deed. This book here is a mirror. We read it and it gives us a true reflection of who we are and where we're at. 
Sometimes people look in the mirror and they're like, whoa, impressive. I know what it's like to raise teenagers, all right? And by the way, I know what it's like to be a teenager, and so do you. It's all outward, right? Sometimes you look in the mirror and it's like, goodness gracious, alive. You know that expression, don't you? You've heard that, right? Like, good night in the morning. You heard that? I mean, I heard all those things growing up. You look and it's like, man, I didn't realize I looked that rough. I realized what a mess I was in. Now, you can look in the mirror and see that your hair's all messed up, and you can walk away and say, oh, well, that's not going to fix your hair. And you can't get mad at the mirror. The mirror's just showing you the reality of yourself. It's up to you to change it. But you need to know what's out of place before you can put it back in place, right? That's what a mirror does. This is out of place here. You need to fix this. And so that's why we should look in the mirror of God's Word and say, hey, I need this mirror to show me what's out of place, what I need to fix, what I need to freshen up, what I need to attend to. Isn't that right? I'm not going to look into the mirror and say, I don't care. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's a clear reflection of me or not. No, 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 no. People don't think like that. But why do we come to church and think like that? Oh, well, you know, that may be true. It may be not, maybe not true. I don't know. God knows my heart. I mean well. So whether I look that way or not, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's up to you to figure it out based upon what you're seeing in God's Word as it reflects who you are and where you are, what your attitude and spirit is, and do something about it. It's not going to fix itself. you got to do something about it. Here's the good news. You don't have to do it alone. God will help you. God will give you wisdom. God will give you strength. To say, Lord, help me to not only hear your word, but to heed it and do what you say. I've told you before about when the girls were little, Caroline and Hope, and, and we were at the Pineville Mall, and Rebecca was out walking around shopping. I thought, well, let me take the girls. And they were just little. One was in the stroller, and Caroline, I believe, was just walking some, and Hope was in her stroller. And, and then we stopped there at Cinnabon or uh, Auntie Anne's. Is that where it was? And we got that... Uh, the cinnamon pretzel, and man, that was so good. I'll never forget that. And uh, I would give them a bite, and then I would take two bites and give them another bite, and then I'd take two or three bites. You know how that is. I mean, there are privileges to being a parent. How many of you say amen right there, okay? Well, we got there at the escalator trying to go down, and I I'm trying to juggle this, okay? I got one in my arm, and I got one... Uh, in a stroller, and I'm thinking, can I do this on an escalator, a stroller with one hand and then a child in the other? So I'm standing there kind of in the valley of decision. And this very kind lady walks up and says, could I help you, sir? I said, you sure can. Thank you so much. And so she helped me, and we got the girls down at the bottom. And I said, thank you. That, I just appreciate that. And we just talked a little bit. She said, oh, I'm glad to help. And she walked off. And then a little while later, Rebecca walked up, and as soon as she saw me, she just busted out laughing. I said, what? She said, look at your face. I said, what's wrong with it? She said, what's that all over the side of your face? I said, I don't know. And she said, you've got something all over the side of your face. And I felt up there. I said, 
oh my goodness, that's that sugar and cinnamon from that pretzel we just ate a while ago. It was literally all over the side of my face. And I told her, I said, this lady just helped me, told her the story. I said, she, I can imagine what she was thinking the whole time. No wonder she offered to help me. She felt sorry for the girls. <laughs> if they have a dad like that that don't even know that he's got this cinnamon and sugar all over the side of his face, I mean, they need help as much as he does and, uh, because they are at his mercy. And we laughed and laughed. I went to the restroom and looked at it. I laughed out loud when I saw it. And I just laughed at myself. And I thought, wow, how important it is to have a mirror or a wife to say, hey, you need to wipe that off your face. You need to get cleaned up here. And I'm thankful for every time God, through his word, has said, hey, you got a mess that you need to see so you can clean it up. I'm thankful for every person God's put in my life that's actually opened the mirror of his word and say, hey, look at here. You see what you got on the side of your face there? And, you're, and they're like, what? Oh, I didn't realize that. I'm thankful for every time that when God or others saw something that I needed to attend to, they helped me to see it for myself through the mirror of his word and say, hey, you just need to be aware of this so you can clean this up. Aren't you thankful that that's what we have in God's Word tonight? It's a mirror to us. We sometimes take exception. We don't want to hear it. But, hey, if there's something out of order in my life, I want to know it. And if the Bible is going to show me a true reflection of not only what's going on outwardly, but especially where none of us can see, but God does see and His Word does what's going on inwardly, then I want to see it because I want to deal with it. I want to put it back in its place. I want to get my heart and my steps ordered before God. And I pray that we'll see the power and the value of getting in God's Word each day this week, getting God's Word in our heart. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How are we going to do it? By taking heed thereto according to thy Word. Not just hearing it, but heeding it. Not just hearing it, but hiding it in our heart, committing it to memory, meditating upon God's Word. Oh, I promise you, God will use it to give you guidance and grace and strength this week. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.